0: The show! You have all made it through the dance. 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 You have all made it, made it, made it. Coming to you from the
1: X Access. It's John of All Trades with your host, John
0: X. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the John of All Trades Podcast, episode 215. I'm your host, John X. Thank you for joining us. Glad to have you back once again. And it is Pride Week here in Denver. That's right. Coming up this weekend, a Pride events all throughout the city. We've got the big Pride Parade coming up on Saturday and Sunday. And I'd like to say that this week's guest, I intentionally put in this slot because it's sort of related to that. Now, I'd like to say that, but it really was a happy accident with the way the schedule worked out. My guest this week is Aaron Parisi. And Aaron Parisi is the creator of Transcending. Transcending is a designated nonprofit dedicated to the advancement of transgender rights throughout all aspects of society by promoting athletics as a platform of transgender awareness and inclusion. Their signature project is Transcending 7, where Erin seeks to be the first trans person to ascend to all seven summits on Earth. That's right. The highest point on all seven continents. She is looking to be the first trans person to ever do it that we know of. And so she sat down with me, and this episode has two kind of parts to it. The first, we talk about coming out as a trans person and going through that process, what it's like to talk to your friends, talk to your family, talk to your work. And I was heartened by the way that she described it because she said it wasn't nearly as bad as she feared. And you can imagine it's got to be a scary process to come out as trans. She said she did lose her spouse But the majority of people in her life were very supportive, and she discovered a whole new community of support, people that love her, people that are there, have her back, and appreciate her living a more authentic version of herself. She is fully herself now, and that is fantastic. I think it goes without saying, but I just want to make this crystal clear. I am an ally. I am an LGBTQ ally. That's right. I am very supportive of LGBTQ rights. LGBTQ rights are human rights, and I think it's time... We all recognize that and support them in any way that we can. The second part of this episode is we talk about mountain climbing and mountaineering. And man, that is just so cool because I'm one of those weird people who's lived in Colorado my entire life, but never even climbed a 14er. I should really get on that. I mean, that that seems like something you need to check on a box to, you know, prove residency or something, but I haven't. So this is a world that's new to me. Now, out of the seven summits, Aaron's already done four of them. She's hit Australia, she's hit Africa, she's hit Europe, and she's hit South America. And she gives me great insight into what it's like to travel to these places. She even gives me some good mountaineering stories. The story towards the back half of this podcast about summoning to the top of Mount Aconcagua, man, that's worth the price of admission alone. I'm proud to feature her work. I'm proud of her courage in everything that she does because these are athletic feats. Make no mistake about it. These are hardcore. I mean, hitting the seven summits on earth, it's amazing. It's a world I know nothing about. And the fact that I get to peer into this world and experience it a little bit vicariously, man, I hope you get just as much out of it as I did. And with the added bonus of we get to provide a little visibility, a little bit of a platform, and get that message out there that LGBTQ rights and trans rights matter. And if in my own little way, I can bring just a little bit more light onto this issue, then I'm happy with it. I'm only one dude, but I'm doing the best that I can. So if I stumble at all in this episode, or if if I make a misstep, or if I whiff on some terminology here, my sincerest apologies, that is not rooted in malice or lack of care. I'm just simply doing my best and I want to make that clear here. We'll get to the episode in a minute, but first I want to give a plug to our two sponsors. One is Four Degrees. They've been with me since the beginning. If you're doing anything on the web, they'll help you do it better. Build your communities, get your message out there, and get it in front of the people who need to see it most. Whether that's through social media or anywhere online, you're doing advertising, you're doing promotions, you need some sort of plan to connect with the people who need your good service, product, or candidate, Four Degrees can help you do that. Find them on the web, the number four, D-E-G-R-E dot E-S, and tell them John of All Trade sent you. Our other sponsor is deft communications. That is the company that produces these podcasts, training, content, engagement, podcasting. That is what we specialize in. If you've got a company that has a story to tell, or maybe it's an organization. I want to work with you because that's what training content, engagement, and podcasting are about. They're about telling your story in a new robust and better way. I've been at this for more than 12 years. I work fast. I work efficient. I'm very resourceful. And I'm kind of unorthodox, so if you're looking for a new approach, I'm your guy for that. Check out Deft on the Web, D-E-F-T-C-O-M dot U-S. Now then, let's get to episode 215 with Aaron Parisi, founder of Transcending. This is a fantastic episode, one I'm enormously proud of, and I just could not be more thrilled to feature the work of Aaron here on episode 215. Her episode starts right now.
1: I've been loving this late ski season, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> and to tell you the truth, I, I climbed Aconcagua in, which is the tallest mountain outside the Himalayas. It's in South America. I climbed that in February. So okay. since then, I've been doing a lot of just trying to stay in shape. Sure. And um, I've done some backcountry skiing, but I've been loving the fact that the lifts are running so so late into the season. So.
0: Are you more summer or winter?
1: I like the shoulder seasons, honestly. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I definitely love the shoulder seasons.
0: All right. Well, I, I'm more, I'm more a summer guy. So now that the, uh, the weather has turned, I am quite happy about that because I have two small kids too. Uh-huh. And when we have to be inside, like we'll <laughs> all just kill each other. Right. You know, yeah. But, I mean, it sounds like you're outdoors no matter what the season is. Is that fair?
1: That's true, for sure. Yeah. Um, I try to find a way to be outdoors no matter what the season. Den- In Denver, it can get too hot, too. Right. So, so that kind of pushes you inside also.
0: Right, one of those, like, heat islands, which uh, which is always tough. It's even worse when you go back east, too, just because, like, you have the humidity, too. Humidity, yeah, for sure.
1: I came from back east, so I can understand swimming in just the
0: air that you live in. Right. You take <laughs> yeah. a shower and you come outside and you're like, ugh, okay, that was a waste. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, where are you from? I'm from Buffalo, New York. Okay. Uh, wow. Okay. So you know snow, you know cold, <laughs> you know humidity. Um, what brought you out here?
1: I just, I knew all those things, but I didn't know mountains. So okay. I came out here and I found the snow and I found the, um, you know, I found all the good things that we had, but, you know, a little
0: bit bigger of a city and, um, mountains. Yeah. That's what you're always drawn to. And it's what you're sort of doing now. And the reason you're on the show. So Aaron Parisi, Mm -hmm. you are the founder of transcending seven. And tell me a little bit about that.
1: Yeah. So transcending or transcending seven, it's kind of both. Um, we, the, the large organization we call transcending and, um, my project is called transcending seven. Basically I'm, trans. Mm-hmm. And before I came out, um, I was always into outdoor sports and saw a great benefit in my life to them. Um, I've known my whole life I was trans and I kind of adapted um, or adopted outdoor sports as a way to kind of get out into the, the world, enjoy the world, explore the world, kind of, you know, figure out who I was, find friends when I needed to, and then find, you know, peace and quiet when I needed to. But it was always kind of a distraction. And I never, and I always kind of thought if, if i transitioned i would have to give up some of that like macho kind of masculine
0: like that rugged outdoors that rugged, yeah
1: yeah exactly that whole image of who i was but the, that box got tighter and tighter and I realized that it was kind of a false choice. I didn't have to give that up to be who I was. So, um, And even if I did, I couldn't live another day as in the lie that I was living. So I uh, made the choice that even if I did have to give up my family, my friends, everything, if I didn't know what was going to happen. But if I had to, I would give it all up to be an authentic – I couldn't lie to myself anymore. Right. And I couldn't lie to the world anymore. So I would, be, I would give it up to be an authentic version of myself. And um, when I came out, I found that it wasn't so bad. And then after a little while, I gained some confidence and I said, why, why did I buy this lie that I couldn't be who I was and do the things I enjoy?
0: Right. So you're, you're just being the full authentic version of yourself at that point.
1: Yeah, exactly. And not everything should be better when you're yourself. So one would hope, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: Well, it's, it's funny to me because I, in, in a much lesser way, I mean, I, I, I don't mean to marginalize the experience by saying this, but. It's it's always scariest before you take the leap, right? Mm-hmm. The the cliff face always seems much darker and longer and steeper than it actually is. And when I was talking about sort of even just starting your own business, I had a friend say to me, and anyone who listens to this show is gonna be tired of hearing this, mm-hmm. but leap in the net will appear, right? You are not going to completely just explode. You you are going to like The support system you have is probably a little bit better than you were expecting. Is that Mm -hmm. true in your experience?
1: I think it is. I lost a few friends and there are some family members that don't stay in as close contact as they used to. And I definitely lost my spouse. But by and large, yes, people realized what I needed when I needed it and were there for me. And a a whole additional group of people came and and materialized also. So, I mean, it's cool because now I have chosen family and I have my chosen friends and I have my family and I have my
0: old friends. And so it's, 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 it's cool. That's good. That, I mean, that's gotta be reassuring. And how has it been, uh, since your transition? Are you, uh, what is life before and after? Can you give us a contrast for anyone who may be unfamiliar <laughs> with this?
1: Yeah. So it takes a long time because you, you know, you you know, you can't just flip a switch and have this happen. No, but, certainly. <laughs> um, you know, and again, I think work was another thing. It's like friends, family, and work. These are the things we, we worry about losing. Mm-hmm. Um Here in Colorado, it's been good as far as work goes. We definitely have strong protections. We're one of, I think, 18 states that have protections that cover
0: trans individuals. So Wasn't always the case either. And, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Colorado, as recently as, what was that, 20, 30 years ago almost at this point, you know, passing amendment two. Yeah. Um. but you know, ultimately that was struck down in the Supreme court, which is a good thing, but it, I mean, we've come a long way.
1: Yeah, for sure. And you know, today celebrates um, the signing, the governor signed Jude's law, which allows um, trans people to change their names a lot easier. And we've got a third um, gender option on birth certificates. We can choose X and we no longer have conversion therapy for our kids. So even oh, today right, is crazy. a huge, huge advancement. So as we record this, <laughs> we get... I, obviously we're not hearing the day that happens, but as we record right. this, all three of those things happened today. You're absolutely right. So, um, yeah, but I mean, there's been phenomenal progress in Colorado. So I have some protections and I've been able to keep my job. My, my office has been fairly supportive. Um, I think what happens when you come out is everybody's experience is different for me. You know, I, I went and I first, I saw a doctor, I told, well, I told somebody, that was my wife at the time, and she left. So then I was kind of alone, and I still didn't know if I was going to be able to tell my friends or anyone else or my family. So I did then decide, at least I could maybe see how it would feel if I delved delved into it a little bit. So I went to see a doctor, um, and I was already in therapy. So, you know, I'd already been talking these things through with medical professionals. And um, the doctor and I decided we would, try to go on, um, hormones. So Mm -hmm. I went that direction and it just started to feel natural. Life started feeling, feeling good. But at that time I was still alone and not real. I hadn't communicated to anyone who I was. So, two months after that i did start coming out to my friends and again like i said it was it was reaffirming a lot of people had questions a lot of people couldn't see it at the time from where they were standing because i wasn't i hadn't portrayed that image of myself
0: so and and the 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 stereotypical sort of you know alexis arquette that we picture in like the wedding singer right mm -hmm. i mean people have an image of what this is in their mind thanks to sort of in a lot of ways grotesque portrayals and yeah, in for sure. Culture.
1: Yeah. And we're always like a punchline. You know, trans people are always like that punchline in the movie. They like the, the ill-timed, like, drop-in or, or single, like, one-liner that comes and right. goes from the movie. Or we're, we're murder victims. We're never, like, right. actual people.
0: Or, or if you think about, like, the extended gag that Jim Carrey does in Ace Ventura, you know, after he finds out that Ein Finkel is Einhorn. Einhorn is Finkel. Yeah. And, like, that in the light of day in 2019, you watch that, you go, that's really gross. Like,
1: yeah, you know there was a, kind of that one-two punch of Silence of the Lambs plus Ace Ventura in, um, right. and the in, Crying uh, Game. <laughs> yeah, right. where you know just negative media portrayals that, and and it's important because back then, I mean even today, only one in seven people know a trans person. So back then it was even lower. So to imagine right. that most people's exposure to a trans person is Finkel as Einhorn right. or is Buffalo Bill from sure, you know that and that that weighs on that weight on my psyche too. I mean, and, of course, that's I mean. And
0: I was coming of age. And and I think people underestimate the power that media actually has on them. Yeah. Um, And something like that, until you gain additional perspective, that is going to be the dominant narrative in your head. And when that is, until something replaces it, you know, that's going to exist. And what I think people don't realize is there's going to be collateral damage as a result of that. Mm -hmm. So, so you, you said as, as you started, you know, hormone therapy and all that, um, you started feeling more like yourself.
1: Yeah. I mean, it was weird because, I mean, I, it was almost like peace came over me with the, hor- you know, after a month or two on hormones, it was my brain stopped being, there was so much less buzz in my brain. My body was and brain had even kind of, I don't know how to explain it. They just felt more in line. And, you know, things, just my body started feeling more like something that I owned rather than something that, you know, was, was borrowed or or not not really mine. Or that you had like an
0: adversarial relationship with.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It was always something I functioned with, but not not um not by choice. Right, and not in harmony with. Right, right, Right. exactly. You're you're always sort of
0: you know wrestling within it, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. For sure. Yeah. So speaking to that sort of media portrayal and then pivoting slightly into what you're doing with transcending Mm -hmm. is you know people have that picture in their head but i think we are moving in some ways in the right direction we were talking right before we got on mic about some of the things the federal government are is doing right now which uh which are appalling you know in terms of barring transgender people from serving the military right um but I, I would say on a more grassroots level has has this become less of an issue uh or are 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 people more accepting what like what's your experience now versus when this when you transitioned.
1: Yeah, it's so hard to say because as I've this world is changing and as I've changed the world is changing too. So <clears throat> the first time I tried to come out was in college and I went to the student health center and asked for help. Mm-hmm. And I said that I really wanted to talk about starting hormones and the student this was a big medical school in New York. Um, the student, you know, all the students went to the health center for, for, you know, health healthcare was included in our tuition. And, uh, they looked at me and they said, why'd you come here? We don't, we don't provide that kind of help. You need to go to the psych- You know, we can send you to the psychology department. Mm-hmm. So very much they treated it back then. Sure. Um, you know, this is 20 years ago or so. I don't want to date myself too much, <laughs> right, of but, course. um, <laughs> You know, they they very much looked at it as a as a you know a mental health thing rather than a, a physical health thing. It wasn't something you treated me- medically. It was right. you know vice versa. So that was I you know I moved to Colorado to kind of find a more accepting environment. Buffalo was pretty pretty blue collar, and I just didn't feel yeah. safe there. So I came to some place where I didn't know anyone, and I came out to a few people, but never really was known because I, I really didn't feel safe back then. But now I, I do. You are right at a grassroots level. I think in and, and even again in colorado i think we've got this western kind of a um an individualists kind of view on our politics and and life where yeah. you know it's we 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 value individualism and kind of that western spirit and yeah. i think that this seems to fit in and it seems fine like a lot of people were fine i know my neighbors were all fine um, now I see, you know, I, I'm not quite as obvious as I used to be. You know, I used to count on the kindness of others, and I used to find safe places a lot more, because um, there is still some some close minded people out there. But um, right. now it it seems like, you know, I like to find the places where I'm not seen as much, and people don't <laughs> right. see me as much. But if for sure, at, at first, people knew what was going on, and they didn't. They were all they were all very
0: nice. That's good. So. Marrying this, and I'm sorry about the cat he's, no, that's uh, he's shameless just, uh, <laughs> yes. and we have both of them right here on the table. This is radio, not television so <laughs> but uh getting into what what led you to we we talked about this a little bit, but you started transcending uh-huh, and transcending seven is kind of uh you know i I would say the signature project that's
1: our inaugural sign yeah, signature project at this point um so tell me about transcending seven so um, again, trying to change the narrative, we decided that I think parents and kids and, and even older people needed to see a, 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 some, a positive trans story given a lot of the negative trans stories and things that we see in the media. So we wanted to just develop visibility projects and um, highlight – you know, accomplishments of trans people. I was a mountaineer before I came out backcountry skier and, um, really into, you know, climbing and getting into the mountains. Like a lot of people in Colorado are. And I, I didn't want to sacrifice that in my transition and I loved traveling. I've been all over the world. And again, I I didn't know that that would be possible again after transitioning. So transcending seven was born from, from that. It's a project to put a trans person on the highest summit in each of the seven continents. And basically the, the, not only i think is it a point of pride where you've got a person that's actually you know overcome the sport or not overcome the sport but you know like been part of the sport at that level of mountaineering to climb to the top of the highest peaks I think symbolically it says a lot that a trans person 50 years ago um, couldn't I mean it was legislated against and it's in a lot of places in the country you still can't really be visibly trans but mm-hmm. here I am doing the opposite of what I think was expected of right. me it's going to the highest point and saying here I am yeah. it's it's doing I mean I, I think trans people are asked to be silent in a lot of ways and even ultimately the the goal in the past has been for trans people to pass which again is be yourself to the point where you're no longer visible again right. so and then we we worry about visibility because of of the violence but this is this is different this is leaning into it and saying you know I am a person I'm proud of who I am and I'm not afraid to stand and show who I am and it's also going to the highest point and saying and if there's any doubt about that I'm going to stand at the highest point and do it um I also like to kind of our our unofficial slogan is breaking out of the shadows so i feel like standing on the highest point there's no place left to cast a shadow on you so it's into the light is our thing
0: well i was struck by the beauty of that symbolism because metaphorically you're going to the highest point but also physically (laughs) like this works on a couple of levels it's like here we are at the top i am who i am and i'm proud to be here here i am way up i can't get any higher right so that's so cool um how many have you done so far?
1: I've done 4 of the 7 summits so far. Wow, um, all right. So I've, go ahead, sorry. No, no, uh
0: I, <laughs> I you were probably about to answer what I was just going to <laughs> ask. What are they? They are
1: Australia's Kosciuszko, which okay. for anybody here in Colorado is kind of your, you know, day hike up Green <laughs> Green Mountain or something like it's Oh, really? <laughs> it's pretty basic, but I never had a passport um in my name with my gender marker on it before I went to Australia, so Okay. Um, It wasn't that long ago that I filled out that application and filed for a passport with um, with my name and gender marker on it, and actually have a passport that I can travel with that doesn't out me. Um, So the first place I went was to Australia, and it was a little bit easier. You know, it's English; they are English speaking. They don't have; they're not big mountains. I didn't have anybody to go with, so I was traveling solo. So again, I needed kind of a safer country to go to where. I had a better gauge of what was going on, and um, Australia fit the bill. So I went and I climbed Australia. Yeah, but- great
0: great entry point it sounds like. <laughs> yeah. Um, so how high are we talking? You mentioned Green Mountain, but, I mean, how many feet of elevation gain from start um, to finish?
1: It was 18 kilometers – no, 20 – maybe – I forget. I think it was around 20 kilometers round trip Okay. or 27. I think it's longer than I, I'm, I think it's 18 miles and 27 kilometers round trip hike. Okay. And then it's, um, it's a, paved it's like a, it's a, just a track <laughs> and you go up to, um, I think it's a couple thousand feet maybe. I mean, it, it's again, kind of a college, like your, your classic front range, like
0: Jeff you know, like yeah, just easy weekend warrior type stuff. Right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay, cool. Uh, how was Australia aside from that? I haven't been. Australia is awesome. I mean, the beaches were
1: nice. You know, I finally was able to. I mean, that's the first place I really like. decided to be brave enough to, um, you know, wear a bathing suit that I felt right on my body. Good. And I was on the beach and everything. And, you know, it's wine country. And then Sydney is gorgeous and the food is great. So it really was after going through, you know, a transition, a divorce. Um, having to come out to all my friends, yeah. coming out at work, all of these things. Like it was the greatest, like getaway and trip totally. that I could have asked for. It was like, it, it was everything I needed, wine, beaches, food. And then I got to climb a mountain too. <laughs>
0: awesome. Yeah. So I, I in mean, the middle
1: of our winter, so I got, oh, to, I got a sunny vacation out of it.
0: So you were there in like January, February? I think I summited on yeah February, February 8th or something. February of eighteen.
1: Yeah, last year, okay. 18, cool.
0: All right, what was next?
1: After that, I did Kilimanjaro, which I had already climbed once. I climbed it um, seven or eight years ago. Wow. In my former, as my, my former self. Sure. And, well, um, oh, the same person, but, you know, actually living my existence, I climbed it again um, a couple of weeks
0: after I got back from Australia. So... Did you find, um, you know, you mentioned your former self and doing this now uh-huh. uh, in your current self. Did you find your performance to be different, or are they more or less the same? Um,
1: you know, i i don't I don't know. There's a lot of variables in sports, and I think that it's harder for me to keep. I know that there are physically measurable. Angles of my fitness that are harder to maintain. My, my running speed is never recovered to what it used to be. Mm. I can't do pull ups or push ups anymore, but, um, the, I, I'm older as well. So sure. I'm kind of constantly up against the, you know, aging, well, but, um, father time is undefeated. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, I don't know what. You know, what causes that? I I train a lot harder than I used to now. Um, I like to say, you know, your heart is the strongest muscle in your body. So, you know, if you've got a strong heart, like, you know, things get a lot
0: easier. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Okay, so you did Kilimanjaro for the second time. And Mm -hmm. that, from what I understand, is a tough climb.
1: Yeah, the summit day especially. I mean, you camp over sixteen thousand feet. Um, Holy hell! So, you, and you've only got one day to acclimatize. So there's, you, wow. The, the thing about Kilimanjaro is there's not a great acclimatization period, and then the summit day is is steep. I've, I, it's like three kilometers, but you go up. I think it's a f- five kilometer hike to the top, but you go up 3000 feet. So oh, it's, God. um, it, it becomes, uh, I have to check those stats, but it's, it's, it's like stairs that last day. And you see people are struggle with that yeah. for sure. Um, the rest of the time is cool. There's a lot of people out there. So it is a little bit of a, um,
0: it's a little bit of a party, you know? Cool. Uh, in, in terms of, you know, you mentioned, uh, traveling with a birth certificate that, you know, or no, I'm sorry, a passport mm-hmm. um, that you were that was finally you. Yeah. Um, is there? I I don't know what the policies or the perceptions. What What's the climate like for trans people in Africa or Tanzania? Mm-hmm. I never found out. Um,
1: That's I, probably I, good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I wouldn't I I didn't want to find out. Gay men can face decades in prison um just for being gay. Just for being gay and living as oh. as, you know, as gay. Um, you know, in a, in a um, relationship, lesbians face five years in prison, stiff fines. And there's kind of an unofficial or, um, kind of a vigilante kind of, um, justice that a lot of lesbians, um, are subjected to rape and sexual abuse because they're, um, it's kind of a conversion therapy over there.
0: Like, oh, we're like, we're gonna, we're gonna we're work
1: f- the gay out of you. Yeah. We're going fi- to uh. we'll fix it. This is how we'll fix it. You just don't know. But, um, you know, I, I would assume they're not very nuanced as far as, um, the, the tea community goes. Sure. And knowing what the policies were, I didn't. I didn't want to find out. And I also was short on funding. You know, we didn't have a. We we kind of threw together funds, and we decided everything's kind of on a shoestring because we wanted to go as far as we could, especially you know a nonprofit budget. So I climbed with the same people I climbed with eight years ago. So wow. um, you know, and rather than go through all the middle people um, along the way to get onto the the boots on the ground, we went straight to the boots on the ground. But we, I ended up with. I figured it wouldn't be that much of the crew that was there eight seven, eight years ago. I yeah. figured people would kind of disperse and move on and go to different places. But when I got there, it was a lot of the same people, and none of whom you know recognized, they they remembered me by name and they remembered who I was and they remembered my climb because we had problems on my last climb, and even some of the people remembered, and they brought back the issues of the climb <laughs> but they didn't remember me being wow. who I, you know, who I had presented as yeah,
0: interesting. Well, I, I mean, ultimately <laughs> that's probably good. Yeah. Do you, do you worry about, uh, with the publicity, you know, that you do? I, and I, I liken this to my, my friend Ryan who traveled to North Korea uh-huh. and then wrote a very long like medium article about it. And he's probably now banned from North Korea, Yeah. but you know, with some of the countries that have more regressive policies towards trans people, yeah. um, Do you worry about if you were to ever want to go back?
1: A little bit. I do. I think the biggest one for that was Russia. So, you know, kind of moving on when I finished Kilimanjaro, I moved on to Russia, which is Mount Elbrus. Um, it's a little bit harder of a challenge. It's a, it's it's a 18,000 foot peak, a little shorter than, than Kili, but it's got its own challenges like every mountain does. And, um, we were right around Chechnya, which has a – it's an autonomous right, yeah. region. It's got a terrible reputation for how they treat their LGBT people. There's a um, – they arrest – uh, their LGBT population they're They've been subject to torture in prisons. Um, they've been, they've had to give over their phones. And then it, it turns into a kind of a, a web of other people that end up getting arrested because right. once you've got your phones, um, the phones, they start just going after your contacts.
0: Right. They treat it like they, they got some like mafia yeah. lieutenant. Right. And right. it's like, okay, who are the contacts? Yeah. yeah. This is clearly like the gay network, right? Right.
1: And people have died. Yeah. Um, many people have died and there's, there's nonprofits that specialize in NGOs that specialize in getting gay people out of, um, the LGBT community out of the, the, the Northern caucus and, um, Chechnya area. So, you know, going there and knowing that they've got the technology and the monitoring and and the, the interest in suppressing their LGBT community to that extent. And they've actually passed a law that makes the trans and the uh, rainbow flag, um, propaganda. That's not, you're not, you're not, it's, it's gay propaganda that you're not allowed to display in public. I I think that they do have an interest in, in, in not having me there. So, Mm. um, luckily I don't plan on going back to Russia, but certainly, you know, life events change things. And I, I don't think that Russia would, I, I do wonder what would happen if I tried to get back into Russia,
0: but you didn't have any problems while you were there.
1: I did not, um, and I, that was, a, again, a real test of, of where I was at physically and mentally um, was just having the strength to say I'm going to go into this region, climb this mountain, keep my, my head down and my yeah. eyes up, and, and just be a climber and get to the top, get to the bottom, and get out.
0: Yeah, I, I think, I, obviously, given what you just outlined, given the uh, cultural politics of the region, that was probably a wise choice. Um, how how quickly did you do these first three? I started on February eighth. I'd
1: say when I when I got to the top of Kosciuszko. I mean, I, I flew into Australia. You know, the the end of January, early February, yeah. and then by the end of June, I was done with Elbrus and back home. Jeez. So I did three. I was on three
0: continents in four or five months. That that strikes me as aggressive. <laughs> Is that? I mean, did that take a toll on your body? Because people typically train uh, extensively for climbs like this. Yes. Yeah, and I and
1: I was again in in the transition process, so I was. um, I did have a few surgeries right before I left. Um, So it was it it was hard to train. It was hard to keep in shape. It was nonstop, and it has been nonstop ever since. You know, after I climbed. um, after I climbed Elbrus, uh, you know, I took six months off, and it was summer, so I got to you know get back into shape. The, sure, I had to have let your a, body heal, let a little my bit. body heal a little bit, right? And okay. I had a revision surgery in the meantime. But then gotcha. I I had to climb, um, I had to climb. I, I didn't have to, but I I, <laughs> I had you know we we chose to climb Aconcagua, so um, I had about six months to train. and We went back into that, so it was a year that I did for just under a year's time period
0: that I did um, for the seven summits. Jeez that uh that is remarkable um what what kinds of when you come down from a climb, what kinds of things uh, is your body going through like what what are the effects? how are you beat up from climbing because I myself am not a mountain climber, yeah, uh, I never have been mm-hmm. i and I'm a Colorado native and never climbed a fourteener that oh, okay. tells you yeah there you go um, sure. so if that gives you some perspective, so I'm more or less a total ignoramus when it comes mm-hmm. to this, but can you describe for me sort of like what your body goes through when it goes to that height and then comes down?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, given proper climate, you know, we do these day hikes, like 14ers, you go up and, you know, if it, just, it just hits different muscles. So you, you make sure you're hydrated and, you you know, you keep the sun off your body. But I think that, you know, some of the most annoying things are really bad sunburn from getting up on a 14 or a 13er, a big mountain in Colorado is the sun is so, so hot. It's
0: very so, intense. Yeah. yeah.
1: So, you <laughs> you know, if you're not careful, you come down with a pretty bad sunburn. And, you know, if, it depends on how much weight you're carrying. So, um, you know, a 14er, you're carrying your water. Water plus some some layers and some food so you end up with maybe 15 pounds or something mm. um, and that that can hurt parts of your body you know your back's a little bit sore or your um, your arms are a bit sore and um, but you know it's it's good fun um, going up a, a bigger mountain and expedition expedition mountaineering you're you know sometimes carrying a 40 or 50 or 60 pound pack and heavy boots on your feet and everything else so pretty much there's not a muscle you can't get worked out at that point um, <laughs> start hitting higher altitudes, you're exposed to wind and snow and temperatures. So just even little pieces of exposed skin can be, um, kind of subject to windburn or, or frostbite and, um, sunburn at the same time. So it's, it's, it's weird having, you know, like face that's windburn in some spots, sunburn in other spots. And, yeah. um, you know, so that's, that's different. Um, your knees, you know, as I'm getting older, I'm starting to respect some of the, my back and my knees a little bit more, yeah. and paying a little more respect to them. But, um, you know, I, I think my favorite part of, I mean, the, The process and how my body and my brain connect when I, when I climb a mountain is after you've had that big day and you've made it to summit and you've pushed yourself and it's that big day and you get to the bottom and you, your brain is going in a million different directions and it's just all adrenaline, but you're still, you're so, um, yourself so you feel so accomplished in having made it to where you needed to go or if if the mountain allowed you to get to the top if not you know you made it as far as you could and you get back to some place and it's just like you're tired you're worn out but you're just you're, you're in a place you're like of,
0: euphoric right You're euphoric yeah. yeah when you get to a summit how long do you hang out up there
1: it depends um you know in australia that that short peak it was super windy up there but you know it I I took a lot of time and ate and hung out and, you know, people kind of came and and went and I really reflected on what, what it had got, what it had taken me to get back out in traveling in the world again, after that much time off, um, and, and having the doubt that I ever would be able to do it. so I really did savor that moment on Kilimanjaro. You're up there with, you can't go unguided. So you're up there with a guide and these guides are, you know, they're, they, they get a lot of climbers on Kilimanjaro and a lot of them get really sick at the top. So they're, they're really pushing you to come down and Mm. it's, it's not a big mountain and it's
0: a lot of, is there a lot of traffic on Kilimanjaro? Yeah, there is. Okay. I want to take a short digression because Uh recently in the news, someone snapped a photo of the traffic on Everest. Yeah. Um, and I was wondering if you had thoughts on that, just, you know, how many people are are now doing this and what that's doing to the community? Because from what I understand, it seems to be a lot of like super rich people, too.
1: It can be for sure. You know, I didn't aim for the seven summits ever before. Yeah, it was, you know, there were mountaineering goals that I looked at a little bit more favorably than the seven summits. The reason the Seven Summits is attractive to me is because um, a trans person has never climbed Mount Everest that we know of, and a trans person has never done the Seven Summits that we know of. So this is to us and I think to the world a first ascent, um, even though you see those crowds up there. To that extent, you know, if you want to climb a harder mountain, you can find one not far from Everest. You can actually climb one from that ridge and, right. and be up there alone. If you want to climb a more remote mountain, there's plenty more around the world. Um, there's plenty more right here in Colorado. You know, that's, I, you know, I hate seeing those crowds. Those crowds were caused by a lot of different, a lot of different factors as far as weather goes, as far as um, how teams manage themselves. It, it had a lot to do with, I think, the, the health of the climbers. Like you said, there's a lot of money behind it at this point. There's a lot of non-mountaineers up there. Mm. But, you know, there's a lot of crowded places too. I, you, you know, just living in Colorado, that sure. Everest isn't the only crowded outdoor place. And I, you know, I, I think that's, it says a lot that people are starting to
0: gravitate to those places. Well, um, if, if you've driven I-70 at, <laughs> at any point in the last five years, right? Yeah, I mean, people are getting in and out, you know, and there's going to be bottlenecks. Yeah. So I, it's just interesting. I never expected to see a photo like that on Everest.
1: Yeah, and I think it was a very unique moment in Everest history that caused that buildup of people and it was dangerous and is dangerous. Um, it'll be interesting to see what the final solution to that type of, um, or the, you know, what solution they find next to, to that is. You know, I think that it really also speaks to different concentrations of wealth in, in the world. So I think that you're finding people from other areas of the world that couldn't afford to do it before are finding economic opportunity to some extent. I think that that's overlooked, that they're taking pride in their countries and their communities and trying to climb Everest, and they're actually able to do that for the first time. So yeah, that's interesting. There are a lot of people up there that wouldn't have been up there before. Um, I think that, that there are aspects of the people that are climbing Everest and there's stories that are happening on Everest like mine that, um, get lost when you see that big long crowd. Um, it's still an athletic feat. I think it still needs to be, and it's, there's a lot of people trying to do it. So there's probably some regulation that needs to be done, but, um, that, that there are a lot of unique stories in that line. And, um, I hopefully someday we'll hear more of them than just people in a line.
0: Okay, if you'll indulge me in this question, uh, mm-hmm. the four that, you, that you've that you climbed so far, can you give me like a snapshot? Like if, if I were to get transported to a day in a hike, uh-huh. can, can you give me just like an anecdote from one of these climbs that gives me a sense for what it's actually like to climb them?
1: Yeah, so final camp on Aconcagua is at 20,000 feet. So if you can breathe at 20,000 feet and everybody in our group was able to make it to 20,000, you're good. We started with a crew. Like if you
0: can breathe at 20,000, you mean like unassisted, like without oxygen? No oxygen. Yeah. At that
1: point we weren't on no oxygen. Um,
0: Did you have it with you?
1: One of the guides was carrying a bottle of oxygen. There wasn't enough for everyone. Right. Okay. So we headed out from our tent at we, we wanted to head out from our tents at um four in the morning and we get we were wind battered all night long. There were sixty to seventy mile an hour winds and the temperatures I think were about negative twenty Fahrenheit. So we were wow. Um we were I think the wind chill was right around negative forty, negative fifty all all considered that's what we were feeling on <laughs> in our bodies. So we decided to wait a little bit longer to leave. So, four, five, five, thirty, I think by right before six we ended up heading out, but those were all hours we needed to climb that mountain, yeah, so then it became a rigorous hike at twenty thousand feet, Jeez. so, as we started going up the first ascent. Um, you know, there's, there's a couple of it st- kind of roll, it kind of rolls a little bit. So you go up this to, um, hike and that, or a hut. And then you have to, you put your crampons on and you continue from there in crampons. Okay. By the time we made it to that first hut, we had lost three climbers.
0: Really? Yeah. yeah.
1: Gone. I mean, they were, they had turned around and gone back to the tents. Oh jeez. We were only an hour, hour and a half in. So we oh. were down from 14 people with four, you know, four guides to, um, to eleven, Yeah.
0: At what kind of pace are you doing this? Because I remember, I think it was an IMAX movie at the museum of nature and science <laughs> yeah. about Everest. Uh-huh. And it's like, you take two breaths for every step or something yeah. to that effect.
1: So we were about there. We were, we were taking quick breaths once one, one step, one breath, one step, one breath over and over, and over and with, with a little pause. That was my, my step on that. So it okay. was, it got very rhythmic. Um, by the time I made it to the, um, that hut, and we put our crampons on, we lost another five climbers at Jeez. that point. They just didn't put their crampons on. They said, oh, we've had enough and we are at, I think, at that point twenty one thousand feet, and we've headed into what they call the traverse, so huh. yeah, same thing like and and we were trying to make up that time we lost because there is a cutoff you can't be on the mountain after a certain time, and the guides yeah. aren't allowed to have their their clients up there after a certain time, so we have to get to what they call the cave la, Cuava, la, Cuave, la cueva La 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 cueva la cueva la cueva, la cueva, sorry, <laughs> just a little rusty um, and you had to be there by I think about three o'clock. So right. um, you know, it's it took us I think was that nine, nine yeah, hours nine to get hours. to that point. So with some rest in between. Sure. Um, when you when you get to um, the cave. Then you go into um, El Canale, which is uh, it's a thousand vertical feet up and less than a thousand vertical feet of horizontal gain. So you're at more than forty five degrees. It's like stairs. Yeah. And it's so it's the last thousand feet, but you're climbing from twenty two to twenty three thousand feet. Those oh. last thousand feet
0: take like three hours. Yeah. That, oh. <laughs> um. And what's your body doing at that point? Is is, is your body telling you no more? Like I know some, you lost people and theirs eventually did say no more.
1: Yeah. So on the traverse going to La Cueva, um, we, we lost another, we had a husband, wife team separate. It was a one finished and one didn't. Oh. We had another husband, wife team turn around and go back. And then we lost a f- one, another person, I think. So we were down from the 14 that started. To a team, a core team of five, wow. and I was the only woman left. When I got to the summit, same thing, no women. It was all. It was all just three, just, you know, yeah. people that were, the people I we left were all guys. Jeez. So it, there were maybe 20 people up there. We fought the wind all day long and yeah, your body doesn't, I mean, it was, the, the wind was pretty <laughs> annoying. Um, the guides were joking. Well, you know, the summit's right there. We can just turn around and say we did it. Right. And you know, that's obviously yeah. not, that's mountaineering humor that never, that's, that, <laughs> right. that's, that's not that, how it works. That's gallows humor. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, what do you do to push through that feeling? Like, I, w- where do you go? that gets you over the hump where other people eventually just tap out and they, they go back.
1: I, um, I think I do a lot of the same things. A lot of other people do. Honestly, I, um, I, I start counting at some point, like your brain, you know, I was focused on again, kind of the accomplishment and the feeling of pride that I had just in the fact that I had gotten into South America, into this, you know, through Mendoza into, you know, Argentina, into the Andes. And I was working on a team, that I I never thought I'd be back on. So I spent a lot of time reflecting on that and the positivity of that. My brain goes to a pretty positive place. It doesn't spend much time in a negative
0: place. so. So you don't go drill sergeant.
1: Uh, no, you know, negative sometimes when it's really bad, you know, and you're in your nice negative 40 degree sleeping bag with shelter <laughs> from the wind in your tent, you're like, I'm not going out there. yeah But, um, <laughs> my brain doesn't sit there for very long. I'm usually, I can't sit in my sleeping bag and just do that. I think a lot of people that turned around, um, not a lot of them, but a few of them went to a dark place and didn't come back. Yeah. Um, I usually start working on things and I, you know, i usually have maps or books or journals and, you know, I'll usually start drawing or writing and something to Take my mind away. Right. So I think by the time I get to those places on the mountain where your brain is a little bit more challenged, I've already kind of distracted it away from a lot of negativity that happened in some of the camp, the, the acclimatization camps. Okay. And maybe maybe that's true. Maybe it's not. But um, my brain stays positive a lot longer. So you know, I'm looking at things and looking at how be- beautiful they are. You're looking at the cold smoke whipping off the top of a neighboring mountain, or yeah. um, looking at the you know the, we could see the Pacific Ocean from the top of um, Aconcagua. Wow. So you're looking out and. kind of taking it all in, thinking about You know how to manage things. You know, I'm always trying to keep my mind busy on something other than negativity. But then I go to a place where I just count. You know, it's like you know, I count to four, or I count to a (laughs) hundred, or I count to a thousand. You know, I never know what my brain wants going to want to do. So sometimes it's like let's just count as high as we can count, and I'll count as high as I can. (laughs) Other times I'll be like, we're only counting to four, and that's because it's like step, breath, step, pause, and that's four, and then I'm done. So that might be the drill sergeant.
0: Oh, that's not bad. Yeah. When I so I was a swimmer, and when I used to swim. Him, you're you're basically just following a black line on the bottom of the pool mm-hmm. for hours on end, and <laughs> your your brain will sometimes just do interesting things. But I found uh, if I could get a song in my head, that usually helped me. Yeah, um, and like certain songs, there was this one set we were doing, and it was like 75, so three laps, and it would be like two laps hard, one lap easy. You know, mm-hmm. one easy, one hard, one easy. And they were always in different rhythm. The song that was perfect for that rhythm was actually uh tub thumping by Oh, Okay. Yeah. And so like when I'd go fast, we'd get to the chorus. You know and when we go slow it'd be like pissing the night away (laughs) and like i'd go easy and then the chorus would come back when i'd have to go fast again god that works it's so funny like yeah your brain will will come up with these weird tricks yeah um, to do that i think the counting is a good one because i've i've done that even just when i was a kid and i'd have to walk home yeah and it would take like forever i'd be like all right let's count to 100 keep your brain
1: busy your (laughs) body's already busy Yeah. yeah
0: you count your steps and you know next thing you know you've You've ticked off a bunch of distance. Right, yeah. And it's gone, right? Yeah. Um, that it's huge. funny because I had the song in my head, and I remember it was
1: fight. There was that that song. This is my fight song. Oh and yeah, yeah, I don't know any words to that song other than the <laughs> "This is my fight song." So I got you know like, and I don't, I don't even think it's you know like. So I'm thinking about just those words, and I'm, it's not even a great fight song. Like I figure like if if you got a fight song, you might as well like keep it quiet and like nobody knows what your fight song is. But that that one's just like you know this is it. This is, this is my fight song. And, that one's a bit know, on the nose. <laughs> right. Exactly. So, but I'm just repeating keeping those words in my head over and over again. I'm so annoyed by it. You know, I was up on the Ridge and I was just like, hey, this song has got to go. Cause I've only know these yeah. four or four, 10 words or whatever. And like, <laughs> but you know, and my fight song would not openly say it's a fight song. My fight song would be very subtle so that people wouldn't know I was fighting. But, um, yeah. I decided that, that that's, <laughs> that's, um, that, that was in my brain for sure. And you know, it's like when you get that one song in your head, you just can't get it out. Yeah. You know? So that was it on Akincagua.
0: Wow. That's yeah, I mean that'll do it.
1: <laughs> so I didn't go insane. Is the moral of that story? That's good. That's helpful. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: of the of the four that you've done, uh, you mentioned the view on Aconcagua. Yeah. Uh, best view of the four of them.
1: Uh, it's hard to say. Albrus was pretty amazing. You look one way over the Northern Caucasus, which are these rugged, beautiful peaks with just gorgeous relief. You know, they're they're snow covered and just iced and and just gorgeous glaciers um yeah. and you look at them and you could you could sit for hours trying to think of the technical routes and if anybody's been able to do that route um huh. and just wondering what like the the history and of, of that area and it is a very um it, it is a heritage filled area well, and if feels
0: um, like the way you're describing it you're you're thinking about people like pioneering it right you know, just,
1: yeah, European mountaineering has
0: just got such a rich
1: history. Yeah. so you wonder what what it looked like when sure. you know, when people were
0: back then. And, and how people I mean you mentioned you know <clears throat> what what was the word you used, like uh, technical? Uh, technical ascent. Yeah. yeah. Technical lines. Or yeah. Anything, yeah. You know? Um, you know, the, the first people who were actually able to envision that and see it in a way like, okay, no, I can get up it that way. Right. That's remarkable to me. Or how many attempts it took that, you know, that, yeah. that people
1: lived in that town, but they had to go up there and the Russians are amazing climbers. So, to go up there with ropes and and start figuring out ways to get around things. But I mean, Russians are amazing international climbers and they're, um, I'm I'm sure that all of those things I was looking at have been climbed by. Sure. Of course. Um, and you looked out the other way from the top of Bakun and when you looked out towards like Georgia, um,
0: or I'm sorry, not Aconcagua. and uh, You're
1: right. Sorry, Albers. Yeah, and you looked out towards, um, you, you know, toward Georgia and to the uh, west, and it was the the landscape was completely different. It was f- it was flat and it was brown. You know, one way it was all black and gray and and white, you know, it's white capped. And the other way you looked and it was brown and rolly and huh. uh, more like Badlands than, huh. than mountains as much. So wow. it was um, it was cool seeing that, that, you know, on each side of the divide of the Caucasus, the um, the watershed, like the differences in the mountains. I think that was
0: really super cool. That is cool. Yeah. Plus the benefit of, you know, not being in South America, there's no rugby teams laying around everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> no comment. Forgive that. me that joke. Yeah. That's off. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, what's next?
1: Um we were raising money to climb, you know, is a nonprofit and we raise money um for these climbs um, and for other trans visibility projects. We specialize on outdoor sports. So we wanted to climb on for um for the 50th anniversary of Stonewall and pride, uh, we were going to aim for Denali in June, but I just, like you, you had manch- mentioned earlier, four mountains and, you know, just over wow. a year at this point, um, it's hard, you know, so I, I wasn't able to do all that climbing and then turn around that fifth peak. So, um, right now we're fundraising, you know, on the website and online and everything, but we want to climb Denali or, uh, Vincent's Massif, sorry, these mountains. Yeah. You know, sometimes my, my brain goes to so many different places. Sure. So we'd like to climb Denali or Vincent's Massif, which is um, in Antarctica. Wow. So um, if we're not going to climb Denali in June, which is kind of the climbing season around Denali. So um, we'll be here. But – Um, or I'll be here, but by next June, it looks like we're, we're going to be ready to climb that mountain at least. And if we can raise, you know, somewhat more funds, um, by December, you know, November, December, then we'll, we'll head down to South America and and do the
0: fifth peak down there instead. Cause you got to do that summertime in the Southern hemisphere. Correct. Yeah.
1: Now at this point, you know, it's, it's hard because we have to manage the climbing seasons in different hemispheres for the last,
0: for the last three peaks. That makes sense, yeah. yeah. And, and then the last one is Everest.
1: Would right? be the Everest. We were trying to save Everest for the last. I think, um, you know, in talking to professional climbers and other people who are interested in this goal, and um, and you know, possible sponsors or whoever else, um, you know, I think it being that we're not doing Denali this year, we do have flexibility in what the next mountain is going to be. So, wow. you know, I think there's more to come on what what mountain is actually next. Wow.
0: It's very exciting. Yeah. Um, okay. Here's the part on the show where we do plugs. Where can people find you? Where can they find more about Transcending, Transcending 7? Anything you want to plug, do it now.
1: Yeah, for sure. So um, we are online, mostly Instagram, Facebook, and our website. Um, you can find us on Transcending on Facebook and on Instagram, and it's transcending, it's it's spelled without a C, so it's because we're trans and then sending, so we like yeah. to, we send it like everyone else, right? So it's, um, it's kind of a play on words, but it's, it's just trans and then the word sending like sending mail. And, um, that's on Facebook. On, on Instagram, it's transcending seven, it's the project more on Instagram that we're, we've been pushing, so it's trans, the word sending again, T R A N, sending um, seven. And that's where you find us on Instagram. And then on the internet, uh, we've got both. We've got transcending or transcending seven. They'll both take you to the same place. And um, anybody who wants to donate to these climbs and take part in what's a historic uh, goal can sponsor us. You know, we, we do grassroots sponsorship. We did the first four summits on grassroots sponsorship. Wow. So what we're really focusing on doing is getting a, right now you won't see it, but there'll be a sponsor page where you'll be able to. Um, dedicate, um, you know, the climb to somebody that, you know, in your life who's trans, or you can give it, hopefully it's a certain level. We'll be able to give you like 10 or 15 words on our, our platform that gives you a message. Um, if you Mm -hmm. donate some money, because really it, it comes down to, um, community support to get this done.
0: Wow. Yeah. That's fantastic. Well, Aaron, I'll tell you what, this was an absolute pleasure. Um, I, I think what you're doing is incredible. And uh, I'm just really proud to feature the work that you're doing. So thank you for being here and continued success to you. Thanks, John. That wraps up episode 215 of the John of All Trades podcast. Thank you to Aaron Parisi for being on the show, sharing your story, sharing your incredible work. And I wish you nothing but good health, good luck, and good weather conditions for wherever you go next in the mountains you climb. I'm excited to watch what you do next. You can find all of Aaron's stuff on the companion's blog piece johnofalltrades.us You've heard her list all of the places you can find out more about transcending. Those are on the blog johnofalltrades.us We're also on social media Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Pinterest and Instagram. Across platforms that's J-O-A-T pod. Easy to remember. J-O-A-T pod on any social media platform that you're probably on me on snapchat that'll be interesting for both of us best ones are probably facebook and twitter we're on itunes stitcher and a billion other podcatchers whatever you're listening to us on hey leave us a rating leave us a review hit that subscribe button your brand new episodes come right to you and help us move up in the algorithm i don't know how it works but i'm sure it does by you doing those actions I'm back here next week with a brand new episode. Two episodes ago, I was as candid as I possibly can be with you about my mental health. And so next week, I talk with a fellow dad, a guy I met at my girl's school. And we both struggled a little bit with some depression and anxiety. So we hash it out and we talk about how that translates to the work that he does as well. A fascinating chat with a great dude. Stay up to date with John of all trades. Get new episodes delivered right to you. And until I hear you again, say goodnight, Tracy.